Hello. Hello, hello, hello. This is middle of August, uh, August 14th, recording this episode. We're about a solid two months away from the regular season starting and getting some real games. Um, super excited about my fantasy draft. Whenever that comes around, just love fantasy basketball. And uh, been in the league, been in the same league for like 10 or 11 years now. Maybe even more. It was in college. But uh, anyways, I just, you know, there's something about fantasy basketball and me that's just always been there. I think it's because when I was a kid, I was always fascinated with uh, basketball cards and um, just, you know, I didn't really, I don't remember watching that many games when I, like, let's say when like pre- high school I don't remember watching a ton of like games I watched a lot of college basketball I watched a lot of IU um but I didn't watch NBA games but I loved NBA cards and I knew I knew all the players I knew their stats but I didn't really watch the games um but yeah you know it's just something that's always it's something I've always really enjoyed is just the the weeds of the NBA season whenever I in my, in my, uh, I gave up, I had to give, I didn't have to, but I chose to stop playing 2K uh, a couple months ago. Um, but I was a huge 2K guy starting from like playing, um, NBA Jam with my cousin. I remember the first time that I felt like a, a drug addict when it came to like NBA stuff was like, uh, me and my cousin, we played, 15 games of NBA Jam in a row, like, with every team. Because, like, and I think I was the one that was kind of, like, instigating that. And so we played Super Nintendo NBA Jam for hours one night, you know. Um, but I've just, I guess I, I've just always loved, I've always loved the NBA, and I've always loved just kind of, like, all the stuff that goes along with it. One of those things being fantasy, so we got I got that to look forward to here in a couple months, but the Pacers are going to be back in a couple months as well. And, you know, sitting here in the middle of August, it's like, I'm thinking about next season, we got the draft over with, um, it's been quiet as far as roster transactions, so we've kind of had the same, like, the team that we're looking at going to the next season, so I was just, I've just been thinking about what, what next season might look like for the Pacers. How like how do how does our team stack up against the rest of the league? Um, I would say that most of the people out there, like I saw something where it's like the Pacers were ranked last in the Eastern Conference, maybe like predicted going into next season. They're they're kind of everybody is under the impression that the Pacers are going to be a bottom feeder next year. And I'm not saying that that's not going to be true um but it's like there's just I want to like so what I want to do today on this episode is just kind of present a case where that's maybe not the best thing that happens for the Pacers I get the opinion you know but I, I of of the Pacers like you know losing a bunch of games and tanking and and getting another high draft pick to go along with Halliburton and Matherin and now you actually got something where you could build to a title it's like that sounds good. That sounds good in theory. 
as long as like the you know the draft pick is turns out you know I mean there's there's a lot of times when draft picks don't turn out I mean you know but if you're picking top five you're you're expecting it so it's like um I guess I get that I get that approach of like the best case for the Pacers next season is to lose a lot of games and to get a high draft pick but I don't know I just don't think that's the best way to look at it going into next season um because I look at it from like the the player's standpoint like so Tyrese Halliburton he's been in the league two years already non-playoff teams you know bad teams really lost his win-loss record is not good um you know is Tyrese gonna be cool with just hey we're gonna be one of the worst three teams in the league next year like we're getting we're gonna win 13 or you know like last year I think the Pacers won 25 games and finished with the fifth worst so it's like we're gonna win you know 20 games and and just get run over all season long and you're still gonna be feeling as good about yourself as you should be as you know just as because he's probably looking you know Tyrese has got to be looking to take a big step next year and it's like you know it's it's like yeah we want to see it we want to see the stats get better and stuff but it's like I don't know I just I think that if I were Tyrese Halliburton or you know Matherin or any of these guys it's like you want to win games and so as a fan, I just feel like, you know, I think that's what's healthiest for the organization and for the team is to see some some progress next year and, and to win some games. Um, because basically it's like if you're cool with there's a difference between being cool with losing and losing games because you're not as talented as the other team or the ball doesn't go your way in certain games. Um but if your mentality is is like it's okay if we lose, I, I just think that there's down the line there's consequences to that, and I think that would like they would probably every every single person on the Pacers their confidence is going to be, you know, down like because it's like we just keep losing, and even if you understand that well we're doing this you know we're going to be better in three years like that's really what we're aiming for what we're building for it's like okay yeah but. The league is always changing and uh, there's always new new young guys coming in. And if you're like Halliburton, it's like, you don't, you don't, I don't think you want to just punt on a year. And, and, but I'm not saying that the Pacers as an organization should be doing everything that they can to win uh, playoff games this year, like using the cap space that they have right now to go sign like a couple veterans or something that like, you know, it's like as an organization, we have to stay, uh, in my opinion, like, yeah, definitely stay malleable and be able to like, we don't want to make decisions that are going to hinder us down the line here in a couple, like we are building for three to four years, but going into this season, like I'm, I want wins. I want to see the Pacers win and I don't want to see them be one of the t worst teams in the league. You know, it's like, um, I would rather see development from all of our guys and like to see Halliburton look great, you know, and, and all of our guys just like have great seasons, which that's going to, that's going to, you know, I would think that's going to turn into some wins. So anyways, I don't know exactly where I was going with that. Just, uh, 
basically what I'm trying to do is figure out where, like what kind of class are the Pacers in going into next season against the rest of the league. And I've got a couple questions before I set the, before I get into that. And if the answers to these questions get answered the way that I think Pacer fans would hope they get answered, then, you know, it should result in the Pacers having some wins this year and having, having a, a season that's not just, you know, long losing streak after long losing streak. So question number one, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to going into next season, you know, how good is Tyrese Halliburton? How does he look with the keys uh, to the car? What is the progressions that he's able to make, uh, you know, individually and, and, and his ability to lift the team? What is the team culture like with Halliburton, you know, running the show? Um, you know, is, is Halliburton an all-star next year? Is he close to an all-star? I mean, is he, is he, is he, does he show like, hey, I'm better, I'm a better player than LaMelo Ball. I'm a better player than uh, Darius Garland. Like these guys, like in the last episode when I was kind of going over the, the peers of Tyrese, you know, this could be a year that he takes a leap. Uh, he might not, but, you know, he could. And so, like, my, a question, like, just looking into the next season and where does the Pacers, you know, kind of stack up against the rest of the league? You know, how does Tyrese look? That's that's probably the number one thing. He's our guy. Um, but sh- but right after Tyrese and is, is, uh, is Benedict Matherin, the number six pick. The, big, the, the reason that we were cool with losing all those games last year. Um, you know, we wanted a good draft pick. We ended up getting a sixth pick. We, I wanted Matherin. They got Matherin. He looked great in summer league. He seems to me like just like the perfect pairing with Halliburton. Um, this kind of ties back into it. Well, I don't know who you credit this to, but there was some news last night. Uh, speaking of like, you know, like being like an NBA drug addict, like I look multiple times a day. Uh, I'll go to Google. I'll just search Indiana Pacers, hit the news button, just see what's going on. Like, I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? You know, so one of the things that was going on was last night. So that would have been a Saturday night. Halliburton and Benedict Matherin show up to one of the local parks in Indianapolis to just like to hoop. (laughs) And so I saw a picture of them with like a group of guys, you know, playing basketball. Not, not, maybe not. I think there were, there were some kids in there. Um, you know, but anyways, that's just one of those things that's pretty sweet to have like the potential foundation of your, of your team, you know, for the next decade, you know, doing stuff like that, you know, in the middle of August, they're in Indianapolis together. It's, uh, you know, it could, that seems to me like the ingredients to a a special, a special backcourt. Um, but yeah, with, so obviously I want to question one. Tyrese Halliburton. Question number two, what is Benedict Matherin? Um, you know, at the end of the season, does Benedict Matherin, does he look like he's still, okay, what am I trying to say? Does, does Benedict still have foundational piece potential? Like, I don't expect for the, his rookie season for us to be able to say, no questions asked, like the two guards locked up, we've got our backcourt, now all we need to do is get a wing and a big guy, or you know what I mean? Like as the Pacers are looking for that three, three to four years out, um, that would, but, but does, does he still look like he could make it 
you know, that's that's the thing that I want to see this year in his rookie season, because chances are he's probably not going to put up the kind of numbers that, um, you know, you're, you get super excited about, like 20 points a game and five rebounds and three assists or something like that. You know, like I don't think I don't think Benedict's going to do that in his rookie season. And unfortunately, he's probably going to miss a lot of shots. And, you know, it's just it's going to probably be a hopefully the worst season that he has in his his career would probably be like his rookie year. But um, he's still the he I'm struggling. I'm struggling to decide what jersey to buy next. Like my wife got me a jersey for my birthday. Um, I think she tried to get me a Halliburton jersey, uh, but they didn't have them or something like that. So I basically have a credit now to just go get whatever jersey I want. And I, I just can't decide if I want to get Halliburton or if I want to get Matherin. I may end up with both eventually. Um, but, you know, point being, like, I love these two players right now for our team. I'm super excited about them. And with Matherin, does he, after, the, after his rookie year, is, is the best case scenario for his career and the type of player that he could be is that still a possibility like that's what I'm looking for next year with him do we see does he show us flashes of like oh shit this this is a number one scorer this is a you know this isn't you know I, I keep going back to it but this is an Anthony Edwards type player like just uh you know he's gonna cook he's gonna be number one I I, I still think that that could be the best case scenario for the Pacers and I would love to see Matherin take some of those steps next year. So it's like you're, you're looking at Halliburton growth. You're looking at a Matherin being solid. Um, you know, and all this is like, is this, does this mean that the Pacers are winning some games against these teams? You know, um, another question I have is, this is just also kind of about the roster, but let's just pretend Halliburton is an all-star. And then let's just say that Benedict Matherin after his rookie season shows us that he could be an all-star. Like nobody would bet against it. Basically. Is there anybody else on this roster that we could see potentially being an all-star, you know, or in the discussion in the realm? Uh, I would say most likely not. But, you know, I like to put those those rosy glasses on often. And I'd like to make, you know, there's 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 a few guys on our team that I'm that I'm equally as excited to see what they look like next year. And the the first guy that I think would probably have the best chance at making an all star one day. Once again, this I shouldn't say the best chance, but could potentially be in that discussion would be Jalen Smith. And we're going to know, you know, we're going to know, we're going to learn a lot about Jalen Smith next year. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about, you know, what does he look like in a t- with a team that he actually has some, uh, some roots with, a commitment to, a mutual commitment. Um, you know, he's 22 years old. He was a lottery pick, number 10 overall. Highly, recu- highly rec- recruited um, as far as, you know, with ESPN, they ranked him with the score of 93, which was the 10th overall in his, like, class. 
So 10th best player, go, you know, in his, basically his age. Compare that to Isaiah Jackson. He was an 89 overall and was 34th overall with his class. But Jalen Smith is betting on himself with the Pacers. You know, he, I don't know the details of the contracts that he might've been offered from other teams, but the Pacers were able to get him for three years at like, you know, $5 million a year or something because that's all they could offer him. And he took it. And uh, he was promised to be the starting power forward. And it was the opportunity that he was going after, uh, not the money yet. And I think that um, he, should be, he should be a very hungry player going into next year. Doesn't seem like the kind of guy, to me, that would want to be going into a year and, you know, losing every single game. It's like, no, it's like it's time to it's time to prove some stuff like you're I mean, it doesn't it's it's like you got to prove stuff and the wins and losses. They don't really matter, but you need to prove yourself enough where you're getting wins. Uh, that's what I that's that's what I think I'm feeling. That might be the thesis of the podcast. But like. With Jalen Smith, he bet on himself. He signed with the Pacers uh, for the for the opportunity to play some minutes. He should feel comfortable um, and, and he should have, he has a new opportunity to play like the number 10 pick that he was, you know, it's like, I was looking back at him cause I, I had never really done like a deep dive on Jalen, but it's kind of interesting. His rookie season in the NBA was just a complete bust. He, he played double digit minutes for, for the Phoenix Suns. They're the team that selected him 10th. Um, he played double digit minutes the first game and the last game of the season. You know, so he was getting no run, uh, no NBA action. He did play with their G League that year. Um, but then you go into his second season and it was essentially kind of the same thing. He didn't get a great amount of opportunity, but in his second year, he gets a his first double digit minute game comes on game 25 where he gets 21 minutes. And in those 21 minutes, he put up nine rebounds. And he also shot the three-pointer six times. I think those were the relevant stats. Um, he goes back to the bench. And then just after Christmas, last season, for the first time in his career, getting NBA playing time, he gets six games from December 27th, then six games after that, um, where he gets 25 minutes a game. He, score, he gets... Uh, he starts four times out of those six. And in that six-game window, this would be his first true opportunity in the NBA, his stats were insane. He, he had 16 points, 10 rebounds. He shot 55% from the field, 38% from three, 86% from the free throw line. The Suns were winning games. They went four and two. And Jalen Smith had a positive eight, you know, net rating. Um... That doesn't mean that Jalen Smith is a 16-10, those amazing percentages player, but he did that in six six games with the Suns. And then he went back to the bench, and then eventually he got traded to the Pacers on game 54. Um, so it's like, if, you, if you're the Suns, like, what were you... I, you know, I think what ended up happening was, I, I think DeAndre Ayton was out with, like, COVID or something. Because uh, I went back and I was watching one of those games. I watched that first game that Jalen Smith played 
with the Suns, uh, the game after Christmas. And um, that was right in the heart of all the COVID stuff. So like the, the rosters were just depleted. Um, but anyways, Jalen put up great numbers. Granted, I guess other teams' rosters were, were probably depleted as well. Uh, but he showed a flash there, right? You can't deny that. Um, he goes back to the bench, gets traded to the Pacers. As a Pacer, it was his his status was always kind of up in the air, you know, because it was like we kind of knew that we weren't going to be able to sign him at the end of the season. So I was like, how much time do you give him? Because you're taking away from other young guys that you want to see get development minutes. Um, but the Pacers, you know, we, we played him. They played him tw- 22 games. He started four times. And in that span, he averaged 13 points, seven rebounds, and he shot the ball pretty well. 53% from the field, 37% from two or from three, and 76% from the free throw line. Those are pretty, I mean, those are really good shooting numbers. And that was on 25 minutes of action. So he showed the Pacers last year that, you know, he can definitely rebound the basketball. He's got great size. He can shoot the basketball. He's got good touch. And going into next season, what will it be like? You know, from from my perspective, I would love to see, like, I think the main thing is going to be Jalen Smith just being comfortable being on the team, being, um, you know, he's got a little bit more security. I know he probably could have, maybe he could have made more money with a little bit more security, but he's got some security. He's got a couple years in the league. Because I don't know, maybe the guy was thinking he was about to get bounced out of the league, uh, you know, to not get any run the way he did, it's not good. Um, but so he should he should hopefully feel he's a starter. You know, he's a starter in the NBA. It's like, let's work now. Let's go. No, It's like, put the pass behind you and let's move forward. But like, one of the things that he's, he, Jalen just has amazing size. And I wish that he had a little bit more of like, what I think Isaiah Jackson has as far as the motor and, and the kind of intensity and I don't know, just kind of the, um, the, bravado, the bravado to play the game and like make people feel your presence. I felt like Jalen Smith, he's not soft, but he just, he's just not aggressive. It's just from my perspective, you know, so what, that's just one thing that I feel like, man, um, casting forward, you know, three, four years from now, it's, I would love to see Jalen Smith be part of this team. I mean, you lo- I love 6'10 and shoot the ball and athleticism that he's got. That would be perfect, you know. Um, I don't know if we necessarily are going to need him to be a 20-point-per-game tw- scorer, but, like, can he be amazing on the defensive end and rebounding and being able to hit threes, uh, you know, kind of being one of the, I don't know. It's just like if you got Halliburton and you got Matherin, you know, they're probably going to take the lion's share of the scoring. But so you don't, but you need Jalen Smith to, he, he can shoot the ball. That's one of his strengths. I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like, I would like to see him just be a little bit more aggressive next year. And to just to feel more comfortable and just I want to see that he has kind of like taken ownership in the team because it did feel last year coming in late. The whole season was weird last year, but like Jalen just kind of seemed like maybe he was one of one and the rest of the team was kind of doing their thing. Um, 
because we just didn't know if he's going to be back or not. Uh, but who knows? Next year, he could. I could see him averaging 15 points, grabbing nine or 10 rebounds. It, I'd love to see like a block and a half a game, be a little bit more active defensively and get us a couple more blocks. Deflections, those would be great. And just to be like vocal on defense, I'd like to see Jalen use his body to become an above average defender and, uh, you know, really bring it on the defensive end. Like, cause we like Halliburton brings it on offense. Matherin brings it on offense. Like we need guys that bring it on defense. Um, you know, and that's what leads me into my next guy. So Isaiah Jackson would be another guy who I wouldn't say he would, he probably won't be an all-star, but like for this exercise, let's just pretend that he hits on everything. And, you know, he could be on this team. Like, I can't wait to see what Isaiah Jackson looks like in year two. He's 20 years old, six foot 10, like Jalen Smith. Similarly to Jalen Smith, I was just going back looking at Isaiah Jackson, you know, and it's like in his rookie season, he didn't, his first double digit minute game came on the 46th game of the year. So we're already halfway through the season before he sees double digit minutes. And this is towards the end of January. And he had a seven game span that I want to kind of focus in on where he gets his first game against uh, uh, the Warriors and he plays 18 minutes. He puts up 15 points, seven rebounds. He gets three steals, but unfortunately he also gets five fouls. Then game two, Suns, he only ends up getting 12 minutes because he had four fouls. Game three at the Pelicans, 11 minutes, five fouls. Game four, home against Charlotte, 24 minutes, five fouls. 17 points though. Game five, he doesn't play. Game six at the Mavericks, he gets 18 minutes and he fouls out. Game seven, against the Clippers, he gets 29 minutes, zero fouls. <laughs> so he actually got to play the game and he went 12 of 19 from the field for 26 points and 10 rebounds. And if you look at that seven game stretch, he averaged 19 minutes a game. And in those 19 minutes, he put up 13 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, over one and a half blocks, one steal, 55% from the field, 42% from three, 74% from the free throw line. And for 19 minutes, that's pretty, that's pretty productive for your young big guy. Then he goes back to the bench until the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Then basically Isaiah Jackson gets the last 16 games with Tyrese. In 22 minutes, he averaged 11 and a half points, over two blocks, one steal. The shooting was down, 57 from the field, 22 from three, 69 from free throw. But overall, he had a pretty productive season for a rookie big man at the age of 19 or 20, whatever he was. Um, he's 20 now, but uh, I look back at that. I'm like, that's a really good season. Jackson proved that he was an, he's an elite lob threat. He, catched, he caught some ridiculous, ridiculous passes. Um, he's, got, he's got elite shot blocking capabilities. He is thinner, but he's getting bigger. And he can be disruptive as hell. The way that he hustles, his toughness, the activity that he plays with on the defensive end. 
his length, his, you know, leaping abilities. Um, you know, he's obviously, yeah, great at catching lobs. Um, I think he's really good at defense. Hopefully he could just continue to develop that. I could, I, I want to see, uh, I want to see Isaiah Jackson become like the Kevin Garnett for this team and be like, if he could just show us some development, um, in towards becoming a player like a Kevin Garnett. And I, I think a Kevin Garnett, just because of the build, they have a similar build. And I was watching some stuff on YouTube with Isaiah Jackson. I was just kind of looking, looking to see, uh, if there was anything out there on him. And I found something from him being in high school. And I learned that he was a, his junior year of high school, he played with the mellow ball. He was on, he was on the mellow balls team for his junior year. And then he came his senior year, he moved over towards Detroit, which is like where he's from and played a senior season there before going to Kentucky. Um, but during this video, which was basically setting up his senior year of high school, he talked about not being a uh, not being a five. He saw himself as being more of a forward, more of a you know, I, I you know kind of a guy that could create a little bit off the dribble, shoot the ball. Um, that was also his junior year of high school. So he's had three seasons of basketball now since then, because it it, it makes me wonder like what type of which way is Isaiah Jackson going to go? Is he going to go more where he could play the four and, and, and play with another big, or is he going to be one of those guys where it's like, he's going to be a five and he's just not going to be able to translate like the offensive, the offensive upside that he potentially could have, isn't going to be able to translate into the NBA. I don't know, but you know, he could still next season, he can be the enforcer for this team. Uh, even if he's coming off the bench, like he can be our energy guy. He can bring the toughness. Um, looking ahead three to four years, that's what I would kind of envision Isaiah Jackson being. And anything more would just be gravy. Um, so what are we going to get in year two? You know, we're going to get more blocks. We're going to get more lobs. He's going to show us his versatility on defense and overall development. And we're going to get less fouls. Um, the other guy that deserves a little bit in this conversation, you know, would be Chris Duarte. And he's 25 years old. He's a late bloomer to basketball. Um, you know, playing four or five years in as a college uh, athlete. Rookie season was good. Not great. I mean, good enough that he made second team all rookie. But also, um, you know, it was just riddled with little injuries and uh but he definitely showed flashes his rookie year and then even more so just that one game of summer league where he's he he's a good player and he could be I, the chances of him being a great player or a player that would, might make an all-star team it doesn't seem likely but you know you got to give him another year to see what he can do and, and the way he looked in summer league that one game you know, he looked real good and he looked like he was able to, uh, to play make a little bit. I think next year, um, it's going to be, it, I don't know. It, it's a big question mark what the team's, you know, rotation looks like and who's on the team and whatnot. But does Duarte come off the bench as like a six man or does he start as 
a three or just maybe he maybe him and Benedict start together and they kind of are interchangeable at that two three positions I don't know um unfortunately with Duarte it's just kind of a tough fit with Benedict because they they really are kind of they're both just best best case scenario I think they're both shooting guards it, just the way that that works now I don't know maybe maybe the way basketball is played now that doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter as much and Duarte can thrive alongside Matherin who's also thriving with Halliburton maybe Halliburton can let everybody eat and with with Duarte though you know it's like you, you're getting a really good three-point shooter and that's going to be amazing for this team and I also you know we also have Buddy Heald, who's another amazing three-point shooter, uh, creating that space. Um, I don't know. We'll just have to see. But uh, that would be the other question. That that's the last question. It's like, okay, so here's the here's the the finish. The the question being, how do the Pacers stack up against the rest of the league? And number one, it depends what. What is Tyrese? What is Benedict Matherin? What is Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith and Chris Duarte? What about guys like O'Shea Brissett, Terry Taylor? You know, those guys are kind of, maybe they're really good role players. I don't know, like, these are guys that could potentially still be around three to four years from now. Um, but this is a team it's a young team that has a lot to prove. And I just don't think, and I hope that Tyrese and Benedict are cool with just losing and being the doormat of the seat of the, the NBA this next year. I, you know, they may lose a lot of games, but I don't, I don't want to see them get to a point where they're comfortable with it. Um, I would rather see them fighting for every possession to win and, and to start winning games because best case scenario for the Pacers, you know, we already have two foundational pieces. And I don't think if we do, then we don't have to get another one necessarily in the draft next year. Um, you know, we almost picked up DeAndre Ayton this offseason, you know, I mean, it's like, I just think that uh, I, I would, I would prefer to see them. I would prefer to see the Pacers win some games and compete and get better and prove and gain the confidence um, that, that you can win this league. Um, but yeah, looking into next season, like my dream starting lineup, if Miles Turner is on the team, which he is right now, would, would be Halliburton. Matherin, Duarte, Jalen Smith, and Miles Turner. And then looking into next season, you also have Buddy Heald. You also have Isaiah Jackson, O'Shea Brissett, TJ McConnell, Terry Taylor. You know, that's 10 guys right there that are going to need to get playing time. And that's not even mentioning um, Aaron Neesmith, Daniel Tice, Andrew Nimhard. Goga, that's 14 players, I believe. One, two, three, four. Yeah, that's Goga right now is, you know, slotted like 14th on the depth chart. And uh, so we just have a lot of guys on our team going into next season that are going to play. 
or that I shouldn't say that they're not going to, they can't play 14 guys, but um, it's a pretty crowded depth chart. It feels like right now, but I know it, it feels like, cause we look to three to four years and we don't see miles Turner or buddy healed on the team. It's, you know, it's quick. It's I, I'm, I'm, I do this too, but it's kind of like, you're just you're quick. To, you're quick to sour on those two guys because we don't see them on the team moving forward. But going into next season, they're they're two guys that are that are that have been around in the league and have proven that they can play. You know, they're both good players. The the Lakers would you know wanted them on their team to be their third and fourth options probably. You know, like so on the Pacers team, it's like hey, what is Halliburton? Is how I mean because if if he's gonna be an All Star type player, it's like hey, you got some weapons here. You know, especially if you ask Jalen Smith, what are you? Um, like, what, like, what kind of player are you? Benedict Matherin, are you, what are you? Are you, are you potentially a rookie of the year? You know, and then if all these things, like, so if Halliburton, let's just say he's a best case scenario, first time all-star, wins most improved player of the year, that only happens if the Pacers are winning games. And so my question, if you put the rosy glasses on, is, is it possible for this team with Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Matherin, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner. Then you still got Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Brissett, McConnell. That's a lot of good players. If everybody's, if everybody is developing and meeting their goals, is it possible that this team currently constructed going into next year finishes with a 500 record? Like, I don't, probably not. But it doesn't seem like it should be a team that only wins 20 games, you know? Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. But here's how I think that team stacks up. So there's five teams that I think the Pacers are s- certainly um, suited to compete well against next year. The San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons. Those five teams, every time they're on the schedule, I'm saying W. That's what I want. I'm going into those games with with the W in mind against those teams. Um, Especially the Pistons. I want to see how... Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey stack up against Tyrese and Benedict, you know? Um, Yeah, I mean, the Thunder are probably pretty good with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddey, Chet Holmgren. It's, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if the Pacers lose to these teams, but we should suit up against those teams to be like, yeah, we're, like, we should be better than those teams. That's my, in my opinion, going into next season. Um, Especially with Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, you've got some veterans. Like, what's we should win? Um, then there's the Wizards and the Hornets. I feel like if the Pacers are playing well, we should be able to compete with those teams. I mean, they're they they're similar in the sense that like the Wizards have Bradley Beal and then a lot of other complementary pieces. The Hornets have Lamelo Ball and complementary pieces. Um, 
you know, the Pacers have Tyrese Halliburton in complimentary pieces. So it's like, if Tyrese, you know, if we're playing well, the team's humming along, the, the Wizards, the Hornets, I, I'm not afraid to say the Pacers are better than them. And then if the, let's say Tyrese Halliburton and, and Benedict are looking like both of them are, they, they, they're still on that path to all stardom. Then it's like the Kings, the Utah Jazz, the Portland Trailblazers. There's three more teams that I think, hey, why aren't we better than them? Um, and then that would put, you know, the Pacers as the 19th best team in the league if they ended up being ahead of all 10 of those teams that I just mentioned. And that puts you, you know, could the Pacers be in the play-in next season? Make the playoffs. Because if you make the play-in, then you can make the playoffs. Um, also, like, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Knicks. I'm not... I mean, if we're if we're humming along and, and our guys are showing what they've got and we're on the pace to be like, we've got some ingredients right now that's going to be serious to deal with in four years, then I don't think the Knicks and the Cavs and the Hawks are teams that we should just assume we're losing to. And, and I think that's what happened the last two seasons. It just felt like we were just going to lose, you know, we're just going to lose to all these teams. Um, so next season, I just, you know, I think that I think that there's some teams out there that we can uh, not like that we can definitely hold our own against. And if things go well, you know, we should be better than. And I wouldn't be shocked if we end up being good enough to, you know, compete for the play in or, or, or make the playoffs. And it's like, oh, but then we don't get the draft pick. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, I mean, you're still looking at. Um, um, you you're right. Yeah, you don't get the draft pick. You don't get another swing. But if we hit with Matherin, and Halliburton's who we hope he is, and Isaiah Jackson or or Jalen Smith are are, are going to be something, you know, it's like, hey, we got cap space. We've got other assets. Like, let's just enjoy the wins. I guess it's like we're ahead of schedule. But I don't know. I, it might be fool. It might be foolish uh, to think of it that way. But that's just where I. I guess that's just kind of where I feel like I'm at right now. Um, I just I don't want to be in March next year and have the Pacers with like a 13 and 46 record, and it's like, okay, well. This is what we got. Hopefully the hero's coming soon, you know, with the next draft. That's, we'll just, we're waiting on a hero. Um, so I say nay to that. I say, let's just, let's ride it with the guys we got. Anybody else is great in addition. Um, and we'll just, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. But uh, uh, let's see. I don't think there's anything else. Yeah, just pumped. Pumped for the season to get here. And um I uh, just wanted to say, before I wrap up, the last two episodes I've talked about this uh, podcasting app called Fountain, and I just want to say thank you to, I think there was 12 different, 12 people that sent me, uh, sent me some sats, and uh, that's, uh, that's cool. I, it's much appreciated. It makes me feel, uh, it makes me feel good. Like, I just love the idea of being able to support people directly and um you know 
that's not, I guess what I'm getting at is like, I just like to see that there's something out there that it's happening. Not necessarily like, oh, I got, I'm going to get rich off of these sats. No, that's, that's not what I'm going after. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for, thanks to those people who, you know, sent me sats. It's, it's actually, it's kind of mind blowing because I'm like, uh, are these bots or, or what? But I, I don't know. I mean, who would send people money? But it's, you know, we'll just have to see. Anyways, uh, I think that's the, I think that might be the future here, folks, with, uh, with the value for value model. Uh, we'll just have to see. I do want to say too, I use the fountain app and it's like, sometimes it sucks. And so if you have experienced that, um, I'm with you. I did, I was like, Hey, I sent a message to them and said, Hey, I'm listening to podcasts and sometimes it just stops. And then I have to go finish it on a different podcasting app or something like that. Um, so I'm doing my part. Nobody ever got back to me. Uh, but whatever, I'm trying. I just think we're probably on the ground floor or something here. I'd never heard of a, I've never heard of the ability to earn sats while you're listening to a podcast, you know, for free. So it's like, that's, I think that's the technology. And then it's just like, yeah, it's probably going to get better as we go on. But uh, anyways, thanks again. Uh, appreciate that. And yeah, so we'll see. We got, uh, we got Pacers in two months. So hope everybody has a great, you know, next couple of weeks. And um, I'll have to just see what uh, what comes next. I'm not sure what I'll what I'll do next. But uh, that's what I that's what I found to be the most interesting thing at the moment was how does the team look? How do they stack up next year? What's a reasonable um, range of, of uh, wins or competitiveness that the team might be next year? And I think. If you got Buddy Heald and you got Miles Turner mixed in with that those those five young guys plus O'Shea Brissett and McConnell, like why not win games? And uh, I don't see why the players would choose not to, uh, just for a hero to save us later. And I will also be the first one to welcome the hero if that's the route that the season ends up how it, how the season ends up unfolding. Uh, that's why they play the games. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for checking out the pod and uh, peace and love.